welcome to the new year. We're already seven days into the new year. So much has already happened uh, in seven days, but this is our first Sunday for 2018. And I look at things, I think Sunday is just Sunday. It's an opportunity we have to to preach the gospel. It's an opportunity we have to, to impart the word of God into you, to stir you up, for you to actually encourage other people around you. Uh, church isn't just what happens in the building here, it's actually what happens seven days a week. So even afterwards when we're in the foyer and, and having uh, tea and coffee, encourage people, ask them how their week's been, ask them how their year's been, what, what are the visions God's got for their lives coming up, what, what are things that inspire them. So as we move into, uh, into the next things for, uh, for this year, I want you to look at things and say, well, okay, what can I do? What, what am I going to be? Last year we spoke on expansion, that was our theme. And it came from the scripture of Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the city, the desolate cities inhabited. And just because 2017 is finished doesn't mean God's vision for us has finished. This is a, a, a prophetic declaration in Isaiah. Just because it was our theme for 2017, it's just as applicable to us in 2018. It's something that we can continue to live by. And I love the first part of that, enlarge the place of your tent. We need to not just think about uh, the tent itself, we need to think about where it's situated. When you go camping, you pick a place that your tent will be. You don't pick a riverbed, especially in the middle of winter. You don't pick under a gum tree. You, you're strategic in where you put your tent. Well, we need to consider the ground that is ours. We need to consider what is our inheritance as a church, as individuals. What is my area of influence? You might work in a factory. That might be part of your area of influence. This is expand, expansion, enlarge the place of your tent. If part of my tent includes the factory that I work in, then that's part of my land that I need to say, this is my inheritance and I'm claiming every worker in this place for the kingdom of God. I'm going to look for opportunities to speak. I'm going to look for opportunities to reach out. This week, we ha- I just happened to be here where the office closed. We had two people walking off the street saying, we're, we're struggling. And we were able to help them. Um, Pete Harvey was able to help them with some food vouchers. Pete had the opportunity to minister to them in Hill Street Grocery. Uh, I was able to pray with them. They're having a baby this week and they're really, really struggling. But it doesn't take much. It doesn't take the ABCs of how do I do this, how do I do this. It's just, how are you going? You know, I was thinking about it this morning. One of our kids is sick. They're in bed. We care for them. We take their temperature. We give them medicine. We ask them how they're going. It's a good question to ask people. How are you? You don't look happy. Can I help? And it was, it was just such a blessing just... Even just praying with these guys, watching them just break under the, the presence of God and then for, for Peter Gain to be able to witness to him in the shopping centre and say, you know, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for God. I am who I am because of what Jesus brought me through and I now have an opportunity to minister to life to you. And so it takes something little. It doesn't take a whole lot. You know, it's not really hard to plant a seed in the ground. It takes maybe cleaning some weeds away. And that's not always our job when it comes to somebody's lives. It might be just be saying, hey, I've got an opportunity. Here's a moment that God has opened. It's looking for a way to inject God into the conversation. As I talk to you, there is just a, a glimmer of hope where I can say, hey, what about God? What about God? Have you considered God in the mix? 
So we need to look at these things. Enlarge the place of your tent. Look at the place of the influence that you have. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. In expanding your tent, you need more material. You need longer ropes. You need stronger poles. You need stronger tent pegs. There's a lot more than just stretching out curtains. So in your own life, what has to change this year for expansion to continue in your life? What do you have to do? How do you press into God? How do you spend your day? How do you spend the minutes of your day? God, I don't just want to grow from a spiritual point. I want to grow in in my ministry. I want to grow in my influence. Continue to press into God on those things. Don't be governed by the limitations of your own thinking. We so often think things. We say, well, this is how it must be. Well, think bigger. What if this was to happen? What if I was to find one person a day to tell about Jesus? How, how would my week change if I took one person a day and talked about God? That means at the end of 365 days, you would have witnessed to 365 different people, probably more because you'd get a hunger for it and you'd start doing it more and more. But imagine if you got one person saved a week through your intention to connect with people. Even if it was one person a month, that means you would get 12 people saved a year. If every person in this place did that and our church was to grow 12 times its size over 12 months, we'd have not just a bigger church and a growth problem, we'd have a lot of hungry people saying, feed me the word of God. Discipleship is what we're required to do. What has that change in me to actually be who I need to be for God? Don't let your thinking limit what you do. Don't turn around and say, I can't possibly do this. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to speak. How are you is a really good phrase to start with. Have you considered God? Might be another phrase that comes up during a conversation. Just see where it goes. I had a pastor years ago, he said... When evangelising, he said, I look for two things, a red light or a green light. He said, if God gives me a red light, I don't say anything. I shut down, I leave it, they're not ready. He says, but if I find there's a green light and the conversation is hit, he said, I go for it. And I throw in, have you considered God? What do you mean? Now they're asking for your input. Well, God changed my life. I am who I am because of God. I've been through struggles, I've been through trials, I've been through hard times. I made it through every single one of those because God cares about me and God cares about you. Just let it roll off your tongue. You don't have to strategically plan it all and go to Bible college to say, I have to learn how to evangelise according to this point system. Just start with something little. How are you? Why does God want to see expansion? And it says right at the end, because... You shall expand to the right and to the left. I believe God plans for expansion. Not just growth in a church, but expansion in my life. Because as I expand in my gifts, in my callings, in my ministry, I become more effective. As I'm more healthy spiritually, I will do more for the kingdom of God. And as I do more for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God will grow. So the numbers in church aren't what we look for, it's it's health in me. What can I do? What do I need to do? How do I need to change? God sees greater things. He sees expansion. And stepping into 2018, we can't just blindly sing the song, K Sarah Sarah. 
It was a song by Doris Day years ago when I was just a little boy. I asked my mother, what would I be? Will I be handsome? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. That's a really fatalistic idea of life. Whatever happens, happens. God's got it all in control. Yes, he has, but he wants to use you and I. I have to be intentional in what I do for the kingdom of God. Every year people set a New Year's resolution. Who set one this year? One, two, three. What's the one big problem we often see with resolutions? You don't stick to it, they fail. But the word resolution means characterised by determination. The word determination comes from a, a mid-14th century word that means to come to an end. It comes from a Latin word that means to mark the end or a boundary. I make a resolution because I'm determined to change something. I'm not happy with what is happening. It has to finish here. And the reason people make a New Year's resolution, it's a brand new year, it's a fresh start. I can make changes in my life and I want to change A, B, C, D. The problem is I want to change. But unless I'm intentional on changing, nothing's going to happen. I was reading through some things this week on on New Year's resolutions and one person said, my New Year's resolution is to break my New Year's resolution. That way I will succeed at my New Year's resolution. (laughs) But a New Year's resolution, when we set it, we're saying, I'm determined that something in my life needs to change. It can't stay the way it's been. And it has to be more than just a New Year's resolution when it comes to your spiritual walk. Something has to change if I want to grow. We can see that determination in in the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 to 14 says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. What he's saying there is long before I was saved, Jesus already possessed a vision and a purpose for my life. I love that. Long before I was saved, Jesus had a purpose. He didn't just have it, he possessed it. He held it. He said, that is the purpose for Adrian's life. That is the purpose for Bart's life. That is the the purpose for, for Alice's life. That is the purpose for all of our lives. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and he's held it in his hand since before the world began. Before, long before I was saved, Jesus already possessed a vision and a purpose for my life. It's not that I'm even now perfect or have already achieved everything I'm supposed to, but I'm going to continue intentionally pushing through so that one day I too can possess the same vision and purpose for my life that Jesus does for me. I need to hold the same vision for my life that Jesus has. Am I perfect? No. Have I got it all together? No. But I've got a vision that I'm working towards. Have I got hold of what Jesus has yet? Not exactly. I'm still growing in that. If he showed me absolutely everything that he had for me, I'd probably run the other way. You would too. But I want to possess the vision that he has for my life. And then further on in verse 13, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not yet achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on 
to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. In verse 14, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race. I press on to pursue. Have I achieved it? No, but I press on. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward. I'm not going to focus on the fact that my life was a failure. I'm not going to focus on the past that yesterday I was making all kinds of mistakes. I will focus on the fact that today there is salvation in Christ. I will focus on the fact that tomorrow I can make a difference for God. I press on to reach the end of the race. You can't reach the end of the race if you're going to continue looking back at what your life has been. You'll never reach the end if you talk about how much of a failure you've been. My future will not be dictated by my past. My future will be dictated by the vision, the plan, the purpose that Jesus Christ has for me. I look at what he has for me and I say, that's what I want to pursue. And that's the great part of evangelism. Somebody can say, I'm a failure. Well, actually you're not, because failure might be something related to your past. But what about the future? Because everything we do comes back to choice. I will choose to move forward. Paul was one who had the goal of eternity in mind. I'm going to ask for a couple of people to come up and just hold a rope for me, if that's all right. A couple of volunteers. Alan Zeke will be awesome. Or Barbara Ann. If you hold that end. You go the other way. Actually, if you start here, go as far as you can to stretch it out. So imagine this is your life. Not just your life on earth, but your life, eternity. Your life on earth might be characterised by this little white spot here. Looks pretty insignificant, doesn't it? This is the moment you're born. This is the moment you die. And everything that happens in this white bit dictates everything that goes that way. The problem is, so often we're born here, we live here, we focus here, everything we do is for here. I have to get the best house, I have to get the best job, I have to get more money, I have to make more friends, I have to party more, I have to socialise more, I have to do everything. Everything happens in this little spot. But everything that lives here, everything that happens here dictates what happens there. If you want to spend an eternity with God in heaven, salvation is required at this point. Paul says, I press on for this point here. Everything that happens within this little half-inch space is planned to focus for this point because this point dictates all of that. Here's the other thing. You only get one chance. You only get one chance at this white bit for the rest of this to matter. So the question is, what do you want this to look like? Because what you want this to look like dictates what has to happen in this tiny little space of time here. And we look and say, my life is 100 years of life or 70 years of life, whatever you may have, or five years left, whatever you may have left. We don't know what there is, but we have to make this little bit count. Because I will stand before God at this point and he will say, what did you do with this bit? If this bit was done well, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. If this bit was not done well, I'm not talking performance, I'm talking salvation, you don't want to go down this path. Everything that happens in life is dictated by this little white half-inch space of time. Your life is a drop in the ocean. Thanks, guys, we'll just lay it on the stage. Barbara wants to be a preacher. She wants to take the lectern with her. (laughs) Paul had that one little spot in mind when he lived. He says, I focus on the goal. I focus on that point where the race is over. I strive hard in all this. And this is the thing. So often people say, we're not supposed to strive. It's not by works. No, our salvation isn't from works, but we are still called to work because of our salvation. We don't say, well, I'm a Christian, I don't have to prove my my salvation by works. We're still called to make disciples. We're called to go out and change the world. We're called to make a difference. So is works an important part of your life? You better believe it is. Your salvation isn't based on it. Your salvation is based on the blood of Jesus. But we need to go out and make a difference. Paul said in verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. From the day that Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was changed. Before that time, he believed he had it all together. He'd been to Bible college, so to speak. He was highly regarded and respected. He was put to work by the the religious leaders. He, was, he believed making an impact for the kingdom of God. But when Jesus took a hold of his life, things changed. He suddenly had a vision for all of this. And everything he did in that one little white spot, all he had focused on was eternity. And like I said, so often we focus, I have to do this, I have to do this. We focus on this little white bit. Paul's focus was on what happens afterwards. Everything I do in this white bit will be for what happens afterwards. From the day that he was saved, Paul was determined that he was going to live for a goal. That point of change, that point where this boundary is enough. The word determined comes from the same word terminal. When you leave an airport, you get on an aeroplane and you leave. That is the point of leaving. That is the point of change. So terminal and determination are the same word or come from the same word. So Paul had this idea in his mind. He says, I have got to live for that. And so many people say, but he's the Apostle Paul. Look at the anointing that was on his life. Look at the influence that he had. He wasn't swayed by things like Facebook and Instagram. He had life ahead of him. He struggled. Romans chapter 7, from verse 15, I don't really understand myself, or I don't want to. Sorry, I don't want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, he didn't focus on his past. He didn't focus on his failures. He did change. The day he got saved, he said, I can't do this anymore. That's my old life, I have to change who I am. And he allowed God to work through the process of change in his life. But everything he did was a vision for eternity. 
he understood he was a miserable person. In 1 Timothy 1.15, he refers to himself as the chief of sinners. So you think you're bad. You think your life is messed up. Paul was worse. And yet, he still pressed on for the upward call of heaven. He pressed on for a vision of eternity. He had to work just as hard as you and I. But like I said, his focus wasn't on his past, his focus was on his future. He looked at, this is who I want to be. This is the reward I want to see. He had to have a goal, he had to have a set point of determination, a change of life for him, not just a New Year's resolution. The problem with New Year's resolution is that so often, like we said, we can fail. And in praying about this year, I've been thinking about a few things. What does it mean for us to be a church? What does it mean for us to be part of a church? Coming together here on a Sunday is a part of it. It's not the only part, but it is a part. So many people say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, part of that's actually the outworking of your Christianity. Sunday is a part of your Christian life. It's when we're we're fed the word, when we're encouraged, when we worship God, when we stir and encourage each other up. I like to think of it as the restroom during the day, the, the, the lunchroom in, the, in the, the middle of the day where we come back and we rest, we recharge so I can go back out and work again. So meeting on Sundays is only a tiny part of it. We're called to pray for each other. We're called to lay hands on the sick. We're called to minister to the poor, the widowed and the needy. We're called to evangelise. We're called to build a community. We're called to make disciples. We're called to be the hands, the feet and the voice of Jesus in our community. That's church. This building here, the dictionary definition for a church is a, is a building where we, where we worship. But if we are to be the church, we have to live out Jesus in our community. Amen? We can intend worshipping God, praying for people, attending church regularly, minister to the sick and needy, grow disciples and evangelise. We can intend to do that, but the only way we will do that if we are intentional about doing it. I can intend to change over the course of the year, but if I set a New Year's resolution, I have to be intentional about that for it to actually happen. So the theme for 2018 is intentional. Not intention, but intentional. If our God-given mandate is to go into all the world and make disciples, then we need to be intentional about making a difference. The word intention itself means a thing planned or meant. Who's ever had a good intention to do something? How often have you failed with your good intention? But the word intentional means done on purpose. So I can be intentional. I I, I can have good intentions to be a good Christian, but if I sit there watching TV all day, and and stay in my house and never go out, never speak to anybody, never do anything, my intentions are void. But if I am intentional, then I get up and I do something about it. It means something's already been done. So my intentions may be great, but for my intentions to become a reality, I need to choose to be intentional. Amen? There has to be a point where we become like Paul and say, things need to change. I'm resolute. I am determined that January 7th, 2018 marks a boundary for me. Today, I choose to walk as one who is intentional in everything I do for the Kingdom of God. Jesus modelled intentional. 
in Isaiah 50 verses 6 and 7. This is the scripture that, that I've been thinking about this week. The more, the more I've studied this, this scripture has just rung out. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the Sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. And this is the part that's been ringing in me. Therefore, I have set my face like flint and I know that I will not be put to shame. Jesus, Jesus modelled intentional. How would you like to have the mission to give your life for others? <laughs> you can go in my place then. <laughs> but if, if that was your mission to, to, sacri- to be sacrificed, to be beaten, to be whipped, to be torn to shreds, to have your beard stripped out, to carry the load of the sin of the world, that was your mission, you might say, yeah, I intend to see this through, but it ain't going to be today. That would be my response. One day, maybe. But there comes a point where you have to step over that line and say, today's the day. Today's the day that I will be intentional and see this through. And Jesus did that. The Sovereign Lord, because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. He set his face like flint. He was determined. He set himself with a focus. This is what I will do because the Lord will help me. And it's a really strong visual. If if you've ever lit a fire with a flint, the flint has a job to do. You hold that rock solid and you strike the steel against it. But that, that flint... The purpose of the flint is to light the fire. So you hold that solid, you strike the flint as many times as you need for that spark to come, but that flint has to be focused. That flint has to stay put. You can't strike and have the flint run off somewhere else because the flint's job is to light the fire. Jesus said, I have set my face like a flint. My focus is on what I have to do. And I, doesn't, I don't care what comes my way. I don't care what, what trips me up. I don't care what beats me up. I don't care what struggles that come my way. I will choose to set my face on the vision that God has for me. And every time something comes and trips me up, I might be knocked over, but I get up and I set my face again because there's a plan and a purpose that God has for me. Jesus understood that his strength was in God, knowing that it was God helping him. That meant that he could set his face like flint and regardless of what came his way, he was able to stay focused. Regardless of what strikes you, regardless of the setbacks you have, if you set your face on him, don't take your eyes off the goal, you will make it through. The key is to be intentional. And the more I thought about this, the more it resonated with me. Everything we do as a church requires us to be intentional. Everything. Worship. I can turn up here on Sunday and I can stand here and be entertained. Is that worship? No, it's entertainment. But if I want to worship God, I've got to open my mouth. I have to be intentional about my expression of love for Him. And it doesn't matter what you do, it matters what I do. Because God will look at me. I said this to Justin this week. Your walk with God is your responsibility. As a father, as parents, we teach our children, but you are still responsible to walk that out. You are responsible for your walk with God. It's not the, not the church leadership's responsibility. You've got to walk this out. I can't live with you seven days a week and carry you through it all. You have to walk this out yourself. You grow through it, but you have to be intentional. For us to see more salvations within the church, we have to be intentional about evangelism. 
every one of us. For us to grow in community, we have to be intentional about relationships. As soon as church is over, if we run out the door, we're not building relationships. We want to see community grow. We've got to be part of community. We have to develop relationships. We have to be intentional in everything. Prayer, worship, making disciples, community care, fellowship, life groups. You name it, we have to be intentional. Every single one of us. For us to see a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit and walking in the kingdom of authority, authority, we have to be intentional in our pursuit of the Holy Spirit. It means I have to spend time with God every day. Whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's at night time, whether it's during the day, setting time aside and say, God, I need you. I, I want to grow in you. And it's building that relationship with God that actually helps us be who we need to be. If I want to see the Holy Spirit work through my life, if I want to see the kingdom of God advance in my life, I have to work at developing that. Therefore, the theme for 2018 is intentional. So I look at this and I say, I need to make adjustments in my life. I want to see the Holy Spirit in a move in a greater way in my life. I'm not satisfied with my own life. So I will choose to make changes in my own life for that to happen. But that's my life. What about your life? What do you want to see this year? I love Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. The Passion Translation puts it this way, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Ecclesiastes 3.10 says it this way, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's a really strong scripture. Don't just go, oh, I'll give it a crack. While I'm doing this, I'll work hard at it. I will give God my best. We're going to respond with uh, these, these three scriptures I want to look at, Isaiah 56 and 7. I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint and know that I will not be ashamed. That's one of our key scriptures for this year. Philippians 3.12, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of for me. And the last one, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as, uh, as to the Lord, uh, sorry, heartily to the Lord as to men. They're the three scriptures that we're focusing on this year as part of our, uh, our theme of intention. Knowing what Jesus did, knowing that he's able to set his face like Flint, knowing what he went through, I can do the same. I can set my face like Flint and pursue the things of God because my God will not let me down. I will pursue the upward call. I will pursue this to the day I die. Even though the theme is intentional for this year, I want to pursue this through till the day I die because my vision is something bigger. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord as to men. Sorry, heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Doesn't matter whether I'm serving someone, whether I'm making tea and coffee, whether I'm working in kids' church, whether I'm playing music, whether I'm preaching. Everything I do, I'm doing this for God. You just happen to be the recipient of it. But I will serve God with my whole heart in everything I do. I'm going to finish with communion this morning. Communion is a declaration of the covenant that we have with God. 
And we're going to ask the ushers to start handing that out. But what I want to ask is that you actually come forward and we, we have communion up the front together as a church. So I want everyone to come forward. Bring your families. Have communion together as families. Communion is a declaration of the covenant that I have with God. Because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I can actually walk with him as part of his family. I can walk in salvation. 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It's going to make a bit of a challenge handing out communion while everyone's standing, but... You have a covenant with God. You have a call. Growing a church is not my call, it's our call. Impacting our community is not my responsibility, it's our responsibility. And I know there's a few people here today that are visiting from other churches, some are visiting from interstate. We welcome you. But I want you to respond to this today on behalf of your own church, wherever you're from. Because this is your response. This is you saying, God, I actually want to be responsible this year for for the calling. I want to step up and, and do my part. Communion is a remembrance of the price that Jesus made and a declaration of who I am because of what he did. Jesus shed his blood on the cross for my sins. I can choose to respond. Like we showed on that rope, the timeline. It's not just that little white bit. It's everything that happens after that. It's knowing that I respond to Jesus because of what he did 2,000 years ago. But I can respond today because the Greek refers to when Jesus died, the Greek reference there is not that he just died, but the work of his death continues on forever and ever. The price that he paid then wasn't just for them, the price was paid forever and ever. That includes us today. Jesus gave his all and we were singing today, I surrender all. We've been singing, I need you more. And there's this God, I want more of you. But there's the expectation God has on us. He said, I've given you everything. Now it's time for me to ask of you. We need to respond positively to the call of God. I want everyone just to pray this prayer together. Lord, today is a day of determination. Today marks the end of what has been. I surrender to you. I choose to step into 2018 with intention to make a difference. I choose to step in and be the one who turns this nation around because you will help me I will not be disgraced therefore I set my face like flint to pursue you I know that I will not be ashamed thank you that you possess a vision and a purpose for my life I know that I'm not perfect I know that I fail but I again surrender to you. 
I bow my knee and surrender to you. I want you to be my Lord and Saviour. I choose to be intentional and I choose to intentionally continue pushing through. I hold the same vision and purpose for my life that you already have for me. I choose this day to put my hand to the plough and whatever I find to do it, I will do it heartily and with passion because from this day I choose to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you take this bread and this juice, I want you to think about the broken body of Jesus Christ laying on the cross. He hung there for you. He paid the price for your sins. He didn't just do it as we see in so many religious pictures. The Bible says that his beard was torn out. He was smacked across the head with sticks. He was spat upon. He was beaten. He was whipped with a, with a whip that is so destructive that every, every single stripe tore bits of flesh off his back. His body was marred more than any man. He gave his life for you. He gave absolutely everything for you. As you eat this bread and drink this cup, focus on the fact of not just Jesus, not just God, but Jesus, our God, dying in our place, paying the price for our sins. And he says, you want more of me, but I also want more of you. Let's eat and drink. Father God, we thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you for the fact that you gave your life for us. We thank you for the fact that you've poured out everything for us. And so, Lord, this year, as the first Sunday of 2018, we choose as individuals and as a church to be intentional. Lord, we step into the calling that you have for our lives. We step into it with purpose. We don't just hope to do it. We choose to step in and be the change. Lord, we surrender before you. We thank you, for, we thank you for the mission. We thank you for the calling. We thank you for the fact that you've released your Holy Spirit to walk with us on this journey, that we don't have to do it alone. You said, lo, I am with you always. And we thank you for that. As we saw on the rope, Father, the, that little white spot is our life. Lord, we, we press on with eternity in mind. We press on wanting to be the difference. Father, use us, we pray, this year, this month, this week, and even today to be the change that you want us to be. We choose to honour you and serve you with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen.